Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 43 of the Back Builders Podcast. I hope you're having a good Sunday. If you're listening to it on a Sunday, if you're listening to it tomorrow, if you're outside of Patreon, then I hope you're having a good Monday. Sunday is my favorite day of the week. Everyone's kind of just relaxed and chill on Sundays, obviously because of church and stuff like that. So I rather enjoy my Sundays. It's like one of the days of the week that I purposefully slow down and kind of just relax. It's I almost always go on a hike on Sunday, whether it's like behind my house or like way up in the mountains. Um, I would go camping, but for some reason the campgrounds are closed because of COVID, which I find absolutely not only hypocritical, but hilarious at the same time. So you're telling me that I can't go camp, right? Campgrounds. It's not like we're not to butt. It's not like everybody's plopping tents within two feet of each other, within two feet of each other. So I can't go camp because of COVID. It's this massive campground. Each campground is separated by probably like 50 feet, right? But we can't go camp because that is going to spread the virus. But yet you can go to Walmart, you can go to Target, you can have protests, you can do all this stuff, right? But you can't camp. So I found that comical. Um, but yeah, so I, I normally go camping on the weekends, or at least I did like last summer when everything wasn't locked down. But is it, it is what it is for right now. Um, I could probably find a campground somewhere else besides beside behind my house or something like that. But anyways, um, I'm going to make this episode quick for a few reasons. One, it's probably like 100 degrees in this room that I'm in right now. I'm in like this little side room that I've always wanted to turn into kind of like a studio thing. Like those what it, those silencers that go on the side of the wall so that the noise is reduced and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of just like turned it into a storage room. And it gets so freaking hot in this room. I don't know what it is, but the air conditioning, I can't turn on the air conditioning when I am podcasting because you guys will hear the air conditioning running in the background. They'll just hear, it's, it's, I can't do it. So on days like this, when I record in the afternoons, um, I just freaking sit in here and I die and then I'm drinking coffee right now, which probably doesn't help. So, um, just got done reading. I think I'm going to do this every time now. I read so many books and you guys always want to hear about them. So I'll give you an update on the book that I'm finishing right now. It's called uh, Horus Rising, the heresy, the heresy, what's it called? The heresy, heresy, I don't remember what it's called, but the, the book's called the Horus, uh, Horus Rising and it's uh, Warhammer 40k Chronicles. And I, you guys have been suggesting to me that I read that book for Sometimes you guys just suggest the same book over and over again, and it's so annoying that I have to read it so that that way I can say I read it and you guys stop bothering me about it. And then it ends up being a fantastic book. So the one that I'm reading, um, the Horus Rising one, it's the first one out of like a 40 book series. That book, this is part of the reason why I didn't want to read it because it is so good and so well written that now I can't stop. And now I'm, now I'm freaking addicted. It's like the World of Warcraft novels. I read the first World of Warcraft novel that I ever read, which was the Wrath of the Lich King one, right? I read that one. And then I was like, God damn it. Now I got to read all of them. And I did. And it takes freaking months. And it's like, it just consumes you because they're so good. You can't stop. And then um, the Warhammer Chronicles, the novels were so, there's so many. There's so many that it would take me years to finish all of them. Um I'm talking 40 books, guys, like thousands upon thousands of pages. You got to see it. You got to see it. And then I was like, you know what? Because what I've been doing lately, and this is what a lot of people ask me too. They're like, well, if you're, um, you know, listening to predominantly audible, why are you buying paperbacks? Well, because I buy the paperbacks of the books that I really like. Um, so what I normally do nowadays, I, I just, 
I used to just read paperback and then I kind of do audible. Now I do predominantly audible and then switch to paperback. Um, but so I went to go freaking buy the paperback Warhammer Chronicles box set. Cause I wanted all the, it was like two grand for like 12 books, book one through 12, two grand. It's like, it's like Pokemon cards. Like they become collector's editions. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'll just buy the single paperback book. Yeah. 50 bucks for like this mass print paperback. I'm like, what am I, am I reading like the, some long lost Bible or something like that? And it's just, but the, I mean, it, not going to lie. You got to read the Warhammer, uh, or at least read Horus Rising, because that one was amazing. I'm about to finish it today. And, you know, you you think about it. This is the thing, right? They tell you, people always tell you, especially avid, the snobby readers will tell you that like science fiction, right, is uh, it's just trash. It's just garbage books. And it's just like, it's like junk TV, right? Not necessarily. I've actually learned a lot. Um, about philosophy and combat and brotherhood from like books that are about science fiction and stuff like that. So when I'm reading um, the Horus Rising novel, it's about this brotherhood of these Astartes, Astartes, they say Astartes, and uh, these like blood angels and all these crazy futuristic warriors and they have like this really masculine philosophy and they like swear oaths on weapons and they have they like fear is bred out of them and you get to see what happens when somebody doesn't feel fear and then you have like this crazy kind of religious but yet not religious um philosophy to it because at this point in this like in this futuristic realm the uh Astartes have bred out religion. They don't believe in spirits. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe in any of that stuff. But yet they slowly started to discover that like there's this world, this void that they don't fully, it's just so good. It's so good. So I'm about two hours away from finishing that. And uh, at the end of the book, you're like, God damn, I want to build myself like a freaking Astartes. Astartes are these eight foot tall warriors. And they've been genetically bred to, to like not get diseases, not get sick. They're immortal in the sense of, in the sense that they can live forever, right? But they can be killed. So if a warrior is really good at combat or he's just getting really lucky or whatever, he can live for thousands of years. Like five, I think it's like five to 10,000 years that these Astartes can live. But they live such a, they live in such a brutal lifestyle and they fight so much that they usually end up dying within a couple hundred, it sounds like. Um, they don't feel cold. Like it's just, it's so good. And then you, and they're, they're freaking huge. They're ripped. And you find yourself like really wanting to, become an Astartes as strong as them, right? And if not physically, then mentally. Um, I don't know. You, you, you just got to read it. Check it out. So I'm finishing that today. And uh, other than that, I'm just chilling. I'm going to record this podcast, obviously, and post this up for you guys on Patreon and then on the public. But, you know, I've been getting this question a lot lately about what it means. I, and most of my podcast episodes these days have been formulated around around questions, right? That's why I like getting feedback from you guys. That's why I always ask for feedback from the podcast because when I, when I don't get feedback, it kind of, I'm like, am I like, am I still putting out good content? Are people still listening or whatever? So when I get feedback, when I get questions, um, it allows me to produce more content. This is this organic, you know, kind of circle where it's like, I provide content. You guys provide questions. I provide content to your questions. One of the questions I've been getting the most recently um, especially since a couple of days ago, is what does it mean? What what is your ancestors are watching mean? And at first glance, you can kind of think about that. You're like, oh, okay, like yeah, spirits, 
cool. But there, there it's there's more to that. Uh, knowing that your ancestors are watching, acknowledging that your ancestors are watching is basically think about it as opening up a dialogue, right? Opening up a dialogue with your ancestors. Now, a lot of people, when they think your ancestors are watching, they think of your ancestors in the sky, watching you and looking down on you in this, this divine glow because they're all angels and they're all perfect beings and they're all, you know, they're either shaming you or they're proud of you. That's no, I don't think that necessarily to be true, at least not in my head. When I think of my ancestors are watching, I think of really just ordinary people who got me to the point to where I am today and they just want me to carry on their legacy. And I don't mean to just say just as in like, it's not important or it's not relevant, but they are normal people just like you and I who put up with, I mean, we live in a time where we're relatively lucky to live in the time that we are. I mean, we have problems, don't get me wrong. But if you look back on what our ancestors went through, it's absolutely horrifying. So in that sense, they are heroic, though they are just people. So if you open up the dialogue with them, let's say I was looking face to face with my great, 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 great grandpa right now, you know, back to, let's say the revolutionary war in the 1700s. And then he will ask me questions like, well, how's everything going with you? You know, are you taking care of your family? Are you taking care of your friends? You know, are you making money? Are you taking care of your body? And I'd be like, yes, I'm, you know, I'm going to the gym now and blah, blah, blah. And you know, this, I'm having a real hard time with this and this political climate. It's very frustrating. And then they say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's something similar that I went on, that I went through in my life. And this is what you have to do. You know, it's don't quit, don't give up, you know, don't let us down because you need to pass on, you know, our blood, you need to pass on your seed, your genetics, your legacy, whatever, you know, what, what have you, right? So you're kind of opening up a dialogue with these people that came before you. And you can just look at them as just like people, right? But connecting to your ancestors, right? On either a spiritual level or a mental level or just a level of just basic dialogue. Um, it is one of the most powerful things that you can do to realize that you are in a line. And when you acknowledge that you're in this line, there there's great power in that. There's a massive sense of responsibility. You're like, oh fuck, you know, there's this there's these people that um, haven't exist that don't exist yet because I haven't had kids yet. You know, I'm talking about myself and I want to do well in the time that I have now and I want to make money and I want to get land and I want to get to a place that's ready, you know, all this stuff like that so that my kids can flourish like my father and mother, they did to us a great job raising us so that they could flourish. And then the seed, the line, the genetics, whatever you want to call it, uh, the legacy can continue in a healthy way. We, my family comes from very, very strong blood, right? I'm not saying that we've been perfect, right? I know lots of, I have cousins and, you know, uncles and all this stuff like that, that, you know, you, they're not perfect, but they, they try, right? They try. And that's all that you can ask for from not only yourself, but the people who have come before you, the people who have come after you. So acknowledging that your ancestors are watching is just opening up a dialogue. That's, that's essentially what it comes down to because when you realize that your ancestors are watching, it kind of puts the spotlight on you a little bit, right? You're less likely to just float through the world not caring what anybody thinks about you or not caring what you do because, you know, because now people are watching you. So, um, so imagine this, right? Imagine this. You are in the gym, 
you are the only one in the gym. Nobody's in the gym at all. You know, you're all alone and there's a deadlift bar and you put on 230 pounds or 245 pounds on the deadlift bar and you lift it, right? Yeah, fine. You're in the gym by yourself. You know, you have headphones in while you're lifting. Now, what if I took, let's say 50 people in the gym and I faced them all towards you and they all watched you and they were all judging you. Do you think that you're going to be like, eh, whatever, it's 50 people just staring at me, no big deal. Now make those 50 people your family members. Make those 50 people the reason why you're in that gym, the reason why you're there, the reason why you have this amazing body that can deadlift this impressive amount of weight. Don't you think that you're going to try harder? Don't you think that you're going to put a little bit more effort into it, just a little bit? Don't you think you're going to want to impress them? Don't you think you're going to want to make them proud? Don't you think that you'll fear, you know, not doing the form correctly or not lifting correctly or not being able to do it because you're afraid that they will shame you in a way, right? Well, why haven't you been training deadlifts, dude? You've been on this earth for 27 years and you haven't been training deadlifts. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, I've been kind of tired lately. And they're like, oh, excuses, excuses. You know, when I was a fisherman back in the 1860s, I had to heave 800 pound, you know, sacks of fish onto the ship. And that was my deadlifts and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, I got it. All right, I got it. But the point is, is that, when you acknowledge that your ancestors are watching, you kind of think of yourself in that aspect, right? That you're in the gym and now you have people watching you and you're going to lift harder. And you can't say that people watching you in the gym doesn't make you lift harder because I know 100%. I've been in the gym for freaking eight years now. I know that the, when there's other people in the gym, you, you want to lift more because you want to impress the people around you. And those are strangers. Those are people you don't even know right? You just, and, and then you get in a competition with some of them. <laughs> you get in a competition with some of them. You see another guy deadlifting on the opposite end of the room and you guys kind of look at each other and you're like, hmm, I'm not lifting this dude. And then you guys get in this competition. You're making each other better. That's what you do when you introduce a dialogue in with your ancestors. You're kind of, in a way, it kind of is a competition too, because you look at your ancestors, right? If you do a genealogy report or whatever, you'll see what this person accomplished or that person accomplished or, you know, whatever. And you're like, God, I want to do better than that. Because out of the sense of competition, competition drives the man to do better. Another thing, our ancestors have been through a lot, right? We know that you, when you see people kind of going through life, black pilling other people, do you think that like, let's say you're one of the black pillars, right? Let's see. Let's say you're one of the people that go through life, black pilling other people talking about how nothing matters and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, nihilism and all this stuff like that. Um, do you think that they're going to see that as a sign of strength? No, they're going to see that as a sign of weakness. They're going to see you as pathetic. They're going to see that as unnecessary because of what they went through. They're like, hey, look, I know it seems bad now. I know it seems like you're you're struggling and maybe you are and maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're in a lot of pain. You know, maybe, you know, somebody really important to you just died or maybe you're financially struggling, but you have to carry on. You have to carry that weight. You have to bear the burden. That is your duty as a man. They look at you and they say, you're a part of our bloodline. Your duty, your responsibility is to carry that torch. Remember, your life right here, right now, this brief blink of an eye, this, this finite moment, this tiny little speck of time that you were given is you holding the torch right now. Right now, that this is it. You're holding the torch. You get it for a very, very short amount of time and then you pass it on. It goes on to the next one. That's it. The torch is out of your hands and all you can do is just hope that it gets as far as it possibly can to the next person while maintaining your virtues like honor, integrity, strength, and family and, you know, the Othala and all this stuff like that. That's the only thing that you can do. However, 
you and I both know tons of people out in the world right now who just take the torch and they just hold it. Uh, they sit on the couch and they eat popcorn and, you know, play Call of Duty all day. And yeah, I have this stupid torch in my hand. Like, what am I going to do with this? And then they waste it. The torch burns out. Even worse, even even worse, maybe their torch, they don't want to pass it on because they don't want to have kids for whatever reason. You know, they think it's stupid and they don't want to, you know, use their resources on kids. And then their torch goes to waste, gets put out. Do you think your family's going to be, be proud of that? No, absolutely not. Pass on the torch. Acknowledge that your ancestors are watching you. Use it as a source of power. You know, we got you guys know I'm always about finding sources of power and stuff like that. This is one of the things that you can do to help find power. This is one of the things that you could do to kind of propel you forward. I do believe that your ancestors are watching. I don't know if it's literally, I don't know if it's metaphorically. All I know is that it is, it, it, it is important. Um, all right. So I found this article by Charles Sledge, uh, on his website. I honestly have no idea. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what this dude's about, but I just Googled your ancestors are watching. And then this article was posted back in October of excuse me, 2016. And we're going to read this together. I haven't read this yet. So we're going to kind of dissect this together. But he wrote, they watch you. The gods are watching. Your ancestors are watching. And what you do on earth will echo in eternity. Every time you take a shameful action, whether it's backing down when you should stand up, watching porn, or smoking weed instead of hitting the weights, the bag. Every time you tolerate the intolerable, Every time you allow weakness to take root and snuff out strength, you are not only bringing shame upon yourself and your tribe, but your entire bloodline and all those that came before you, all those that struggled and fought against the trials of this world and prevailed. They see you. They watch you. They see everything you do. They await in the next world with the patter God, whether it's Odin, Chrome, Waha, take your picks to take stock of your actions in this world. Will your coming into the next world bring pride and honor upon them and yourself for your might and prowess? Or will they turn their heads in shame and weak and weep at your weakness while the patter gods cast you from their sight? The modern world and its rulers seek to corrupt and destroy all that is good. We live in an age where the weakness most Weakest, most pathetic specimens are being developed. But because of this, this is also the age that the greatest heroes shall rise out. Which will you be? Wow, that is good. Who is this dude? Charles Sledge. That was great, Charles. I don't know who you are. I don't even know what you look like. You could, I don't know. I'm going to keep reading this. All right, so there's one more. Um... Get off your knees. Guys, I, I have no idea who this dude is. I have no idea who, who this is, but he seems like he's, it seems like we're on the same wavelength here. Uh, he wrote another one. Get off your knees. Get off your knees and take some pride in yourself, your tribe and your heritage. Be the shining example that will cause your bloodline 10 generations hence to look back and think, I can't let him down. Not a legend like that. And even you think that this will never be possible for you. Then let it inspire you to be the greatest that you can be. By chasing perfection or the highest level, we can obtain excellence. Connect with the blood that flows back to the beginning of time. Remember that the Iron Age gives way to the Age of Heroes. 
You have a golden opportunity to be the hero of this age. Don't let it pass you by. Get off your knees. God damn, that's good. Um, What else has he got here? A shameful age. Should I read this? What is this? Let me scan this real quick. That was pretty good though. They watch you get off your knees. Get off your knees. Don't kneel to anybody, guys. Don't bow to anybody. The only time you should ever kneel is when you're in the kneeling position at a firing range, when your back hurts and you got to pick something up, or when you're getting knighted. That is the only three times you are authorized to kneel. Don't kneel to anybody. God, that's pathetic. If you're kneeling to anybody, if you're kneeling the mob, your ancestors are turning to you and looking away in shame. That is freaking humiliating. That shit pisses me off. All right, I'll read this real quick and then we're actually going to end this episode because I feel like Charles Sledge, my man, whoever this is, allowed me to end this on a really good note. Let's see if you can finish it off strong. One of the most powerful things that you can do is connect with your blood and your ancestors. Why societies have always had ancestral connection as a focus for good reason. Today, we're told that connecting with the old and the ancient blood of our forefathers is wrong, evil, and against the modern religion of individual, individualism and autonomization. We are told that this is wrong to prevent us from accessing great power and becoming something more than soulless automatons for corporations and government. We are told that anything other than becoming autonomized cogs in a machine is evil, bad, something only an outlaw would do. Ooh, that's good. I like that. A divorce from the past and the power of the blood that has gone back from the time immemorial is one of the main reasons we have the abomination called the modern world today. It's the reason we see so much weakness. Whereas in time before, males had the weight of their ancestors and legends of their people, as well as the gods looking down on them with an iron gaze, moving even the weak to greatness and the great to legend. This has been replaced with do whatever feels right as long as it's approved by your corporate and government overlords. No longer does pride, honor, and strength rule the day, but rather capital and the deluded, manipulated minds of whatever the masses have been told to hold up. That is great. I really like that. Guys, remember, I've told you this before. I'll tell you it again. No matter what your religion is, no matter what your ethnicity is, no matter, I don't care if you're uh, black, white, Asian. I don't care if you're a dog. I don't care if you're a fish. Remember that your ancestors are always watching you. They are always judging you and they are always, they, they want you to make them proud. Carry on the, chort, the torch. I've said this before. I will say it again. But however, I've summarized my thoughts on what it means to have your ancestors watching you. I hope that clarified um, any questions that you guys may have had. It's something that I want you to keep in mind. It's something that I keep in mind daily. Every time I move forward, right? Every time I take my torch and I move it a little bit more towards that goalpost, I ask myself, would this make my ancestors proud? Every time I get the urge to watch porn or play video games or do anything that, sh that is not in the favor of myself and my line, I ask myself, would this bring shame to my ancestors or would this make them proud? If it brings shame to my ancestors, then it is not worth doing. It's not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. There was a point in time where I just didn't care and, you know, I would do whatever I wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I got pretty lucky. Because I felt like I kept myself on the path at a very young age, thanks to my parents. But there's a lot of people out there who probably would be in a lot better place in their life if they would have acknowledged the existence of their ancestors and then the aspects that go along with knowing that your ancestors are watching, right? 
pride, shame, all those different things. But anyways, that concludes episode 43, The Watching Ancestors. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Munden, M-U-N-D-E-N underscore Forest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. And remember my Patreon, just Google search Forest Munden, Backbuilders, Patreon. You can support me for as little as a dollar per month, guys. As little as a dollar per month. And it helps move the podcast forward and get to the next level. Um, have a good Sunday. I will see you guys within the next couple of days. Have a good one.